TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. I made it back from lovely Fort Myers. Uh, Ken Laird is out. I wish I could mock him, but uh, got something going on, so he would love to be here. I'm sure he'll be back next week. Uh, so everything's fine. Just uh, got a, uh, a situation to tend to and uh, miss Ken today. But Andy Hart is in his stead. We'll be here till noon. And uh, I guess I'll just share this with the, with the whole class because I was just talking to you and Billy and Ryan and uh, Scheimer. Oh, you're going to pull a Burt Breer and talk about travel issues. Yes. No, I didn't. I never tweet, and I was fine. I, 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 the greatest thing for me, it's called Flight Aware. The old man told me about it. You go to the website, you type in your, your flight number, and it tells you your expected departure time, which they file with the FAA, not what they put on the website. Mm-hmm. And it gives you the real time and location of your incoming flight. So you know, you know. If your flight's not taken off from whatever the city it's leaving from, then there's no point in going to the airport. Right. So anyway, so yesterday during the show, JetBlue has given up piecemeal information about our departure time at noon, which then went to 12.37, then 1, then one thirty, then 2, then 2.30. And finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to the hotel. Drop, but you just wanted to be at the airport. He's like a 90-year-old person. <laughs> He's like, I got to be here in case. I'll be near the gate. Uh, so Wiggy was at the airport. I went back to the room, got an extended checkout. Uh, eventually return the rental car. I get to the gate because the incoming flight had been diverted from to JFK because of an engine issue. Always Ooh, reassuring. Yeah. Uh, That's the plane I want to get on. And so uh, they arrived at 2.50, and right as that, the incoming plane from Boston that had been delayed was completed, it's, uh, you know, uh, onboarding process, the, uh, the rep at the JetBlue desk of our gate gets on the loudspeaker and says, okay, we have 30 minutes before this crew times out and we'll be unable to right. depart, meaning we would have to get a whole new crew, which means the flight would have been canceled. Please board as quickly as possible. So, got 200 mass holes who've had four hours at the Bacardi Lounge. They go storming the castle. They get right in front of the gate. And right after, and they said, we're going to board um, the people who needs assistance, you know, right. young children and, and elderly people with, with a wheelchair, whatever. 
So that that ends, and everybody does what they were told to do. I Smart man, I'm in the back saying, you all can go crazy. If we take off, we take off. Then the gentleman gets over the loudspeaker, and he says, back off, back off, mosaic, mosaic. And everybody's like, what the F are you talking about? You literally just said... We need to get on the plane in 30 minutes. Right. We're doing what you told us to do. Get your ass on the plane, but not you. And then he's just like going up and down the the jet bridge being like, move to the left, move to the left. And everybody's like, dude. Over a fish's douche. Like you give someone a scintilla of power. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, and in these people were were not, it's the, the Fort Myers to Boston. I was the rare work trip guy. Like. It's all either moms and dads with little kids who are visiting grandma or grandma or grandpa going back home. Right. And they're not exactly, you know, travel warriors. And it's hard traveling with kids. You know, anyway. I bet you that guy does some uh, youth refing in his uh, spare time. That's what he sounds like. Those are the kinds of personalities. Every time I travel and for work, and it's very infrequent, maybe once or twice a year. We used to do it when the Patriots were good. We'd go to Super Bowls. That was Remember fun. that? Um, I don't know how people are salesmen, saleswomen that that is their 40 weeks a year. Like, I get it. You get a lot of points. You get to go to nice hotels. I'm, I'm sure that's fun. Shave years off the back end of your life. But, like, I, I just couldn't imagine. And international travel is different. Like, my dad used to travel, but those were really nice. Like, even, like, economy international is much better than, like, front row of a, of a coach domestic flight. Yeah. And the people that are going from, like, Omaha to, you know, Topeka to Boston to... Wisconsin, like it's just, it's got to be hell every yeah. single day to know that that's like all I think about is getting through security, finally getting on the seat of the plane and being like, okay, we're, we're actually going home. But the stress in between that to do that every week of your life, you've got to be taken off a decade. Oh, at least, at least. But it's similar to people that drive to Boston every day, you know, in an hour and a half of traffic. That's true. You're shaving any of these stressful commutes are shaving years off your life. I mean it sincerely. Everybody asked me about the hours of the morning show. I've been doing it for 11 years now. I, I would get up at 3. I don't. But if I had to, if I would get up at 3 every day. If it meant I get the blinking lights when I'm driving down Summer Street, I hop on the pike. It's just me and a couple right. truckers. And it's a known, 12 a known time span. Yeah, I get to and from my, my, my house to this place in 12 minutes. Because I actually think that's the worst part, at least for me, in terms of commuting. Because I live far away. But if I know it's an hour and 10 minutes, and I just know it, that's exactly what it's going to be. So if I leave an hour and 15 minutes early, I'm there in time. But the problem is, can be an hour, can be two hours, can be some jack wagon cut another guy off, and all of a sudden we've got chaos and gridlock. The unknown, of, and that'd be the same thing. If you could tell me air travel was boom, 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 I know the points along the timeline. But then you throw in, well, your plane's actually not here yet, or your crew just got... Um, put to bed for the night. You basically need, like, the unknown of traveling blows. Right, and the unknown, and I know I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I'm impatient, uh, but we're, you know, we're, we're, you can see on the, the that's the other thing, on the with all the internet now on all the planes, you can see FlightAware, and it has a little thing that says what time you're landing. Yep. Your gate may not be ready. And so yesterday, it was we were getting in at 640, and then we just circled for 35 minutes. Ugh. And Gross. it's like that's just that feels like longer than the flight from the from the departure to there. Right. Yeah. Anyway, interesting week in Fort Myers. Interesting week for the Patriots. Jeff, uh, I had a blast. 
I did. Nick Pavetta was the interview of the week, according to Rich Keefe, who now believes that guy should be like the spokesperson for the team and be on more shows. Nick Pavetta? That's what he said. I was, and I said the exact... I, I think he might be getting into what I call sock sniffer mode, like the pregame show's coming. He start, has to evolve into Rich Keefe, the pregame show host, and maybe full throttle Fridays I think he's doing because of it's sponsored or something. He, he's getting in socks mode. That is amazing. The one person I would not rebook from the week would be Nick Pavetta. Interesting. Now, and I didn't listen to the whole interview. He played some cuts when I was on. With yeah, him the I mean, uh, he was. He's. A, I mean, he's a very smart guy, cerebral. He, you know, he. I. I don't dispute. I think Rich is right in that he was a interesting guy in terms of he's well thought out. He doesn't just give you the you know it is what it right. is. But uh, he's a he's a guy that's got hundred two hundred million dollars on the line this year. He has a great year back in the rotation. He's a free agent. He's 31 years old. The you know the rest of his life really hinges on the next 30 starts. Familial money, generational money. So I get it. He's in great shape. He looks good. You know, the Red Sox are going to need a lot of guys to have big contract years and in, in years where they earn their money maybe elsewhere. But I, it was a great week in that. The one thing I kept thinking after Sam Kennedy joined us was he's either knows he's out the door and he's just trying to be polite, or he knows something I don't, where he's getting promoted, and it doesn't matter what they do. because Ding, 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 ding. Because to say with a straight face that the Red Sox are not a profit-based industry, <laughs> that they are a break-even entity, was uh. the, of all the things I've heard in my years on the radio, maybe the most confounding. Well, he's had a tough year now. I don't even know how far back these go. These well, he, he began. It's both have actually been with me. The, we had the "you're a liar if you believe yeah. that they're not which, invested," which you can't tell me what I believe is lying. That, right, that's not how any of that works. Right, especially no. when you always say when you define yourself to the masses as a guy that grew up a mile from Fenway Park. Right. I'm like you guys. Like, right. oh, really? You grew up around, around a lot of patient people? <laughs> right. I've been in Boston my whole life. I've never met one. Well, it's funny you say that, Curtis, is because news sources said yesterday that Sam Kennedy is now the CEO of Fenway Sports Group. Yeah. and he's, But he's still going to be the president CEO of the Red Sox. Right. That's what I'm saying, that he knew he was getting... Uh, yep. He locked in. Yeah. He's in for the long haul. Are we supposed to get excited about that? Uh, I could give two pudge poops. Well, people got excited that Theo was coming back until they realized Theo wasn't coming back. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think Theo having joining the organization, even if it's in a half a percent capacity versus Sam Kennedy going to this, is much more, you know, Craig Breslow and Theo Epstein are tied at the hip in terms of Breslow's career. Breslow owes everything to Theo. He said as right. much with us yesterday on the Greg Hill Show. So uh, in that you know to that end, uh, anything Theo related, I think Theo. We, it's not a hot take. Everybody says it. He's the overwhelming favorite to replace Manfred in four years. So I think he's doing this, and then he'll divest and go into Major League Baseball. Okay, so let me ask you a simple question: As somebody who could not be more down and negative about the Boston Red Sox myself, yes, you just spent a week in Fort Myers Fungos. at spring training, yep, around what should be the 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 beacon of hope. Like, I've been to Patriots training camp every year for 25 years. Training camp is where you believe that that guy who, you're not sure he's a great corner, but you sort of talk yourself into he's yeah. going to be fine. That's where Cadillac had a Gusecki in his pants. Uh, and a Juju. Yeah. And they both fell flat. Right. So give me something in that world, in that world that has you more optimistic, that I should be mildly intrigued or excited about. As someone who has spent my life listening to athletes in some capacity, either as a fan or in this 
form is in the industry. I really believe the players believe that they're better than people think they are. So whether they are or not, what you and I think yeah. is really not relevant to my observation. Like Tristan Cassis, I think there are there are players in there that love Cora, that are know what his plans are. That this is likely his last year. Yep, and they want to play for him. Whether it's you know like major league and you got you know a John Henry thing where you're pulling off parts of him in a bathing suit. Maybe not my idea, <laughs> but but you, no thanks. You you this team it's a lot of white <laughs> believes they're better. And if Trevor's story is healthy, I mean, basically, if they have the what people forget about the 04 Red Sox, every all of their five starters never missed a, rot- a spot in the rotation, which is basically impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to have five good pitchers, which the Red Sox don't have. But work with me here. There is luck even on great teams. Sure. So if the Red Sox get similar luck and Trevor's story is healthy for the duration of the season at shortstop. Devers has a better year. Tristan Cassis goes in the right direction. Their pitching staff with Giolito, and maybe they get Jordan Montgomery in the next couple weeks. Then is that an informed hope? Uh, I think it's everybody's hope. Nobody's the the only person that's informed on it is John Henry. So it, it, I'm sure Craig Breslow would be happy to sign him. I'm sure Cora would drive him to JetBlue Park. I don't want him, by the way. Just that's, a side note. That's because it feels fine. like it's going to be a reactionary. See, we spent money. We signed Jordan Montgomery. No, I. If you think that's the the, the catapult that leads you from the basement to contending, no, he's a good. He's a nice little pitcher. Here's where I disagree with that. If Montgomery comes here and is good, yeah. and the, let's say the, that brings the Red Sox to an 85 win team, okay, then you see the roster is good enough. They're above 500. And they chose, they told everybody the team's not good enough to invest in, that we have to wait for Marcelo Mayer and these guys that you have no clue. Correct. My entire I mean, life was waiting it. for Carl Pavano and, and these guys. Frankie Rodriguez. Like, you know, Craig Hansen, look all out. Daniel Bard before they ruined him. But all those guys, maybe 20%. It's about the same rate of getting a great quarterback with the third pick in the draft. Sure. And so the Red Sox plan would then be further exposed as wrong if Montgomery comes in and brings you to the cusp of the playoffs and you chose not to add to a team that was a player or two away. Because what they're telling you now, without saying it, is that they are not a player or two away. Correct. Because yesterday with Craig Breslow, he went on chapter and verse about their plan, 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 and that you know they, they, they don't believe the team is good enough to make a big splash for because he didn't want to sacrifice future wins for this team, so he's sacrifice, sacrificing wins this year for future wins. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And I said, how would spending $20 million on a pitcher for this team this year hurt future Red Sox teams? And he just stammered. He did. And then, you know, he said, well, you know, the dollar figures in this. They all, I don't believe Craig Breslow thought this was the plan when he arrived. I think, I, I know this is a, a, a kind of a honk theory for the Red Sox. I think Tom Warner thought they were going to spend I don't. I, I don't think he's that Machiavellian. Like I, I think Warner really likes to be loved. He's rich enough where I, I, those people tend to just want to have positive press. Right, Robert Kraft. And so saying you're going to go full throttle without going full throttle is like the analogy I always use, which is hiding the report card from your parents on Friday, knowing they're going to get it on Tuesday or Monday of next week. So you get like two days of the weekend to go have fun. Right. But in the back of your mind. They're going to know the report card's coming and what's going on. And they might even be angrier that 
they find out you hid it for exactly. two Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the cover-up is worse than the crime. Correct. So uh, it was an interesting week for me down there. Uh, I leave, I guess, a smidge more optimistic, but I went in about as low as I could possibly be. Same with me. That's why your uh, argument that they they think they're better than we think they are, well, they could be and still stink. Exactly. Because I think they stink. I think they're borderline unwatchable. I'm one of those that says I'm not planning to watch the Red Sox this year. Like, I'll, I'll watch some. I'll keep up. It's obviously part of our job. But some of these teams over the years, you would watch the games. You'd Every night you'd get home from whatever, have dinner, and put the Red Sox on in the background to see what the hell's going on. I don't care what's going on in the background anymore. Right. And who am I, I saw somebody last night who's a massive baseball fan that's like, yeah, I might just watch college baseball this year. I'm, I'm going to find, like, a different fix because they literally have no interest in this team because there's no draw. Tristan Casas, I give him credit. As a player and as a a personality, he's trying to drum up some interest. Like, he is. He's trying to be the focal point, and he, I think he believes he's a great player and going to evolve into a greater player. Yeah, and? At first, I'm not sold on it. We'll see. And second, even if he's pretty good, is that enough? Given the pitching staff, you got Pavetta, great Pavetta. I think he's a run-of-the-mill pitcher. Just like I think Jordan Montgomery is kind of a run-of-the-mill pitcher. That is my biggest issue is the – I guess you can talk yourself into Breslow long-term because everybody he's acquired is like massive strikeout-to-walk ratio, more strikeouts in innings pitch, throws high 90s. Maybe there's, again, some exciting pitchers on the horizon. What about today? Yeah, the, the, the big takeaway for me also when it comes to fan interest, as you were alluding to, like – uh, Wiggy and I don't know if Courtney had ever moved. Wiggy and Courtney hadn't been down to spring training, I believe, before this trip. Yep. And we'd be walking to the car after the show, and I it was literally just barren wasteland. And I said, when I started coming here in 2013, there was, and that was after Bobby V, disaster, yep. right? That was what we thought was the low point. It was like Patricia Judge until, oh, wait, hold your beer. Uh, and there were 40,000 people, which was Lower than the 80,000 in 08, but still, it was bigger than Patriots training camp, and it was 1,500 miles away from Boston. Now? Now, it's kids with parents who are looking to get a couple hours, as you know, with little kids. You know, Let's get them out of the house, get right. one person some time, and we'll go, go figure it out. And that is what I always thought would be... The driving force because the Red Sox are many things, but they uh, they love being on the front page of papers. Larry Lucchino's life mission was to be in the newspaper, and it served them well. And now here they are. So, quick little postcard from from uh, Fort Myers. Thought I'd get that out of the way. Feel that optimism, that energy, that Ooh. buzz that he's bringing with him via JetBlue back to Boston, baby. Why not us? Uh, <laughs> coming up because you stink. <laughs> coming up next, I'm going to get to the Patriots and an ownership group. Speaking of buzz. That may be at the lowest point of any local franchise's owner in Boston today. We'll get to the Patriots, Dynasty, their offseason, all this coming up next. But first, here's Joe Braverman in West Turning. Gresh and Fourier, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Now, 10 straight wins for the Celtics as they beat the Mavs last night at TD Garden, 138-110. Your final score, they go to 28-3 and at home. They are five and a half games ahead of Minnesota for the league's best record at 47-12. and Jason Tatum led the way with 32 points. Jalen... 
Jalen Brown and Kristaps Porzingis followed with 25 and 24, respectively. Luka Doncic had his usual big night for the Mavs. He had a 37-point, 12-rebound, 11-assist, triple-double. And his teammate, Kyrie Irving, received plenty of boos, which Kyrie, after the game, said, eh, we're okay with. Rightfully so. They have a right to boo. And, you know, from my career record against them for the last few games, I haven't won. So, until I beat them, then... They have all the right to, to continue to boot. I think that's what makes the theatrics of sports and competitive sports fun. And just got to embrace it, you know, um, yeah. as part of it. Caesar welcomed Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors for a Sunday matinee tomorrow. That'll be on ABC at 3.30. Bruins hit the road tonight to face the Islanders. The team yesterday recalled Mark McLaughlin on an emergency basis. Puck dropped a set for 7.30. Patriots officially released cornerback J.C. Jackson. That adds an additional $14 million in cap space, which brings the grand total to over $100 million in open cap room. Lucas Giolito lost his first spring start with the Red Sox yesterday, 5-3 to Twins. Sox will have two games for the price of one today. One squad will be playing the Rays from Port Charlotte, while right here on 93.7 WEI-FM, you can hear Hall of Famer Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming call the Sox and the Washington Nationals from JetBlue Park at 105. And in other MLB news, third baseman Matt Chapman agreed to a three-year, $54 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. The deal will include opt-outs after the first and second year. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's trending on WBEI and WBEI.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Aaron was being led out of his house in handcuffs, and it was on television everywhere. And I just remember thinking, whatever warm feelings we might have towards Aaron... It looks like he's done the ultimate bad thing, and he he can't we can't have him on our team any longer. Yeah. At that time, my dad and Bill were both out of the country, but I felt strongly we couldn't wait. And so I called my dad, and he very much agreed, and we called Bill. And, you know, Bill, as is his want, was always more measured. In the beginning, he said, you know, he's not guilty yet. And there, there were competitive issues, too. He didn't want to have to lose. An amazing football player. So Bill's instinct would be play this f***ing thing out till the end. And I just knew we couldn't play it out to the end. And, and not because not of how it looked on us, but because we had to set a f***ing example. I mean, like, it's like this guy's a murderer.
Excellent rejoin, Joe Braverman. That was Jonathan Kraft on the latest episode of Dynasty on Apple TV. The Dynasty was created by Robert Kraft after he commissioned Mr. Uh, Benedict to write a book about the uh, the Patriots and was given out to season ticket holders. Oh, yeah. So that's the background of the... Uh, signings the- in the pro shop, signings at their event in Germany. Right. Thunk up. And so what you heard there was Jonathan. And of all the things I've heard and been enraged about, it's been in this odd position for me because I believe they were right to fire Bill Belichick, and I think Mayo be, could be a good coach. I don't know. We, nobody knows. But I, I, this has nothing to do with that decision. There is a way to go about things, and there is a way that we thought was Patriot way, which was to not create noise, to do the right thing, just do your job, don't worry about anything else. And I always look back and, and with myself, like I, I, I was drunk on the radio. People thought I was dumb. Once you know I'm an alcoholic, you're like, how did you not hear that? Right. When the puzzle is completed, you go, oh, my God, it was right there all along. But when you're, when you're trying to put the puzzle, pe- puzzle pieces together, it's incredibly difficult. So, Wiggy was spectacular on this yesterday, but, you know, as a guy who, he said he shared a locker with Darren Sharper, one of the most despicable players to ever come through the NFL, Uh, just a virulent rapist and a guy that was drugging women and is correctly in jail. And he's like, I, you know, he, he, he didn't let me, I didn't know, you know, obviously in hindsight, you want to punch him in the face being right next to him. Right. But you didn't know that. And so while Aaron Hernandez has odd predilections in the docu-series you hear from teammates who said he was, you know, haunting, chilling, all of these things. To then extrapolate that to everybody should have known he was a serial killer is just a, a step too far. So for, for Jonathan to say this, if I were the Damashek or whatever the uh, producer was. Yeah, Matthew Hamachek. Hamachek. So uh, just a quick hit, that's Andy Hart in for Ken. Hi. Ken will be back next Saturday. Uh, if if I were in that position, after that, the cut we just played, I would say, so Jonathan, what does it say about you and your dad that you employed a guy who you thought would just keep a murderer on the active roster? Why would you employ someone who had such little basic human empathy? And and that's the answer. So whatever they think they're doing for Bill, they are showing themselves to be impotent within their own organization or complicit. One of the two. Those are the options. Yeah, I think probably more complicit, but in a um, understandable way. I will say this. I understand this because I can tell you just guys working for Patriots Football Weekly, every year we would do draft profiles. So you talk to the coaches, the position coaches of every, you know, even the seventh round pick. And they're telling you stuff, sometimes on the record, sometimes off. Sometimes you get an honest coach that's like, this guy's kind of a punk. And this guy, you you got to watch. And there's been those that I've come up with as the team newspaper where they're like, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if this guy goes off the rails. Just sort of, but don't ever put that, you know, attached to my name as a coach. I think Bill Belichick probably dealt with hundreds of players over the years that if you got him in the old, you know, honesty uh, booth, he would say, yeah, I had some doubts as to how good a person that guy was or how bad it could go. Well, I mean, they won and it a never super, did. But they won a Super Bowl with Corey Dillon. Right, and he never shot anybody. But could he, he have? He was a dink. A no, bad no, no. guy. He was more than a dink. 
He was a bad guy. Dangerous he, dude. Right. So, I mean, and he didn't kill anybody on their watch, and that's my point. When you go from 1975 to 2000 and, what was this, 11? Yeah. And every year on your roster, there's two or three guys that you're like, God, I hope I don't get a police blotter call on him, right? Y- you probably get sort of uh, immune to it or just kind of, yeah, it hasn't burnt me yet, so it's never going to burn me kind of thing. Brazen, whatever, whatever the word is. And then Aaron Hernandez crossed the line that you knew somebody could along the way, he did. Right, but does anybody believe that Bill Belichick, if he knew Aaron Hernandez was going to murder three people, would have had them on the had him on the roster? Does anybody actually oh, no. believe that? No, 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 that's my point. Right. So the, He knew he was a questionable guy with questionable ties and questionable activities, just like hundreds of other players well, he dealt well, with for 35, 40 years. Let's keep it within the Kraft family. Christian Peter. So you had the power then... You know, you, you made a decision based on the ethics and the, the manner in which you wanted to conduct business. And the PR and everything that goes into it. Of course. And the quality of player. But, so, you can't have it both ways. You're either in charge of your organization, and you are not there to make the day-to-day, you know, third and three decision, but you're there to maintain the integrity of the Patriots. Set an example. Jonathan just said it, right? Yeah. Set an example. But the, the time to set the example wasn't after he killed people. Right, but the question is, and this is vague, I think Ernie had the quote in there. Did we have some concerns? Yes. Did we think he was a murderer or whatever was his quote? No. Okay, maybe. Because I tell you who would have cut him based on this and based on everything I'd heard at the time. The guy at the forefront of the Hernandez's bad was Welker. Welker often talked about he was like afraid to pass him in the hallway, basically. He thought the dude was nuts. Walking, And again, now Wes Welker. I'll use him as an example. At this point in his career, he's been around an NFL locker room for what, eight years, something like that. Yep. Went to college for another four where you're around high-level athletes. So he's got a dozen years of being around these guys that he probably didn't like all of them. They were probably shady. This guy stood out to him as, that guy's different. Stay away from him. He's bad news. So what they knew and when they knew it will always be the, like, I would love to read if you could ever get your hands on investigatively, and I'm guessing this has all been destroyed if I were the Patriots, like his draft reports, everything they thought about him along the way as they decided Urban Meyer, his guy, Bill's guy, right, they're boys, so decided it was worth the risk. First-round talent, fourth-round pick, as Ernie said. That's why it's worth it. What do those files say? Do they say he is the worst person I've been around since I've scouted college football? Because if it says that, you're not very believable now. But if it says, much like many others, he has maturity issues and there's some ties to really bad people off the field then you've done this before you've been there before and i don't know if i'm again i'm assuming would you assume all that is destroyed even though they keep their files forever i'm guessing that one conveniently lost in the cloud i don't know where well yeah we moved we moved buildings and it's gone yeah i mean and, and the thing so i guess i go back to the purpose of this and who has what to gain who has what to lose I don't know the purpose. Have you like? Yes. I know it's it's well believed that it's a Robert Kraft promotional piece for the Hall of Fame. It hasn't played like that to me. I have not been well the overly impressed. I don't, I don't think they achieved the goal. Way. I mean, it, 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 the goal of the end of this docu series is to express and distance. Sorry, it is to distance Robert from the worst decision any team has made in my lifetime, and that is you know saying Tom. You can walk. We, we, oh, but, I mean, if they knew that Hernandez was a killer, 
but they didn't. That's my okay. whole point. Okay. Is that what they're doing is they're showing that this this documentary is about Jonathan Kraft and Bill Belichick. It's a vanity play for Robert. That's how he agreed to do it. He's you know he gets the final say. Mm-hmm. But Jonathan and Bill were oil and water, and. I understand both sides. I do. I understand Jonathan saying, why are you being such a pill to my dad? Absolutely. Why are you so intentionally obtuse when we just want to talk oh, about Andy Dufresne? Right. Intentionally obtuse. And, and why is Bill Belichick, I understand completely why he would have an issue with Jonathan Kraft. Like, who are you? I, I'm the greatest defensive mind in NFL history. Back off. Right. So get it. Get both sides. The point yeah, of Bill this, doesn't like nepotism. He felt like Jonathan was just a nepotism hire. And you know, that's why it's so pernicious that, like, nepotism, everybody uses it. So it's like, so what are you going to do? Right? By the way, stop me in my tracks and it shouldn't have. Britt Reed getting his sentence commute, whatever, getting out of jail. Yeah. What the F is that? He, he This girl is basically her life is over. At the age of five, mm-hmm. which means her whole family's life has been forever shaken in a negative way. Right. And he does what? A year? Anyway. Uh, but nepotism is pervasive. It's everywhere. Yep. And that's why it still exists, because everybody uses it. It's a lot easier to just fall in line, help out your own next of kin, and than it is to restructure the entire industry. But if you really want to get to why the Rooney Rule is important and why diversity matters, it's because... White people have white children, generally speaking, and so you're not going to, every team is owned by, all the owners are white, so when that sort of system is in place, diversity is hard to come by, mm-hmm. because everybody's kid grows up in the organization, they all want to do what dad does, it's a, if there was a singular issue with why the NFL has had such a problem hiring African American coaches, when the league is, what, 70-30, 75-25 African American versus white, that's why, but... The Patriots and this entire docu-series was was built around the premise of distancing them from the bad players and the bad decisions that the team has made. And there was nothing worse in terms of on the field than the decision to let Tom walk. And that's the goal to separate Robert from Bill. Why Bill even sat down for it, I don't know. But I haven't seen anywhere where it has had the intended consequence that Robert Kraft wanted when this thing began. You mean you, you don't believe it's being received no. by the fan base? Because that's the other thing. I don't know who's watching it. I know Patriots fans are. I inter- interact with enough Patriots fans. I don't know if this has the national or global reach that maybe they hoped it would. I do know on my Apple TV it moved from 8 to 5 the other day in Woo-hoo! their little ranking. So I guess more people are watching. Um, Speaking of which, I got an email this morning. The Greg Hill Show is now 83rd podcast in Jamaica. Oh, big. So look out. So people like to get high and listen to the Greg Hill? Yep. I'm sure it's for me. Carry on. Because I have, like, the Bill stuff in this is, and you brought this up with me, I don't know, last week, whenever I was on with you for an hour or whatever that weird shift was. Yep. Um, Like, what would have happened had the Patriots won this year the way Tom Curran and others thought they were going to win? That You know, Tom Curran, there's wins all over the schedule. We're going to win 10, 11 games. Well, Bill's still the coach, correct? Yep. So Bill's the head coach of the Patriots at the Combine, or not at the Combine, whatever, going about Jaden Daniels, getting ready to take Jaden Daniels, because some woman I've never heard of said Bill loved him in November or December when he apparently set his draft board, as he's never, ever done. Right. Um, what, how, would this, how would this be playing out? Did they not care? Did they have the, you know, the vision that maybe either way this is going to be the last year for Bill? Like, 
What was going to happen then? And I think that's a fair question because I know Bill expected to win this year. I think here's the two things. One, I I, I have sort of a uh, conspiratorial take on Curran's big season prediction. Okay. Was the roster great? No. Who's Curran's whoopee? The Crafts. Robert. And Mayo. And Mayo. Okay. Both. His former co-worker and co-host at NBC Sports Boston. There you go. Well, they're, Mayo and, and Big Thundercat are, are yep. all simpatico. Yep. So let's say they're an 11-win team when you know they're not. Let, let's get it out there that this team is really good. There's wins all over the place. That's setting a trap for the coach, isn't it? Oh, I like this. This is devious. Right? I mean, I, I looked at the schedule. I did not see 10 wins. Nope. I said six, and people thought I was crazy. Same. I was at seven, and I was trying to be optimistic. Right. Like, and that so to w- say there were wins all over the schedule. And not to mention, there were two, at best, one win that was removed or, or was added when Aaron Rodgers went down in the first series of the season. Right. So, I just can't, I think, had 10 or 11 wins, yeah, too. That's a good point. I picked seven when Aaron Rodgers was on the right. Jets. Oh, you get, that's yeah, yeah. So, I picked so I was really six five. or five. You yeah. were six, so we were even closer. So that's what I think now in hindsight about people saying there are wins all over the place. But I'm reaching out to Jeff Benedict. I just reminded myself. I want to actually see if he can do. I, I want to know when was this released in terms of when did they agree a lo- agree upon a release date? Was mm-hmm. it in season? I tweeted that the Patriots lost to the uh, Colts in Germany was 48 hours prior to the first teaser coming out from Apple TV. Perillo, who you know, worked with for many years, replied to my tweet saying this is the definition of coincidence. So he would know. He's you know been around the team for a long time. I, and not a mouthpiece. Not at all. Paul's a good guy. He actually I, probably trends in the other direction. No, he actually. It's like <laughs> the father of the coach. Like you go in the other direction. With yes. The so uh, I, I don't. I this isn't me mocking him. I don't know. He's. I don't doubt his sourcing. But uh, I I would be interested in that in, in getting some of those questions answered. So. Running up against it, but 617-779-7937. What are your thoughts on the docuseries? Are you in it? Are you not even watching it? What do you think the Patriots are getting out of it? And where are you on Robert Kraft? 617-779-7937. Ken and Curtis without Ken. Ken shared a text with me this morning from a buddy of his on the... Dynasty, which I think is interesting, a Patriots fan perspective. Shocking uh, nickname of a Patriots fan, Sully. I don't know if you've known any of them around here. (laughs) Uh, Sully said to Ken that he has no problem going into the darker aspects of the Patriots, but he doesn't understand what the Patriots stand to gain from totally ignoring so much of the on-field success in, in, in a direction that is so negative about how the organization was you know, handling a guy that became a serial killer or the spy gate or deflate gate. And why the basic question that his friend Sully asked is, is this really, they hate Bill this much that they allowed all this dirty laundry to be aired? Uh, Well, from a Jonathan perspective, maybe, as you said, they were oil and water. Like they didn't mix very well. And Robert was the mixer. I mean, Bill doesn't mix well with anybody. Can we just be honest with that? Who does Bill mix well with? Ernie Adams? But I have to say, I, this is such a weird position I find myself in. I, in my weekly interview opportunity with Bill, mm-hmm. we were down at Gillette. He is a dink, like that's. But you know who Bill Belichick 
is. Absolutely. So, like, I, I don't believe that I can change other people as much as I'd love to. I'm just trying to, you know, for me, I, I lived needing to change myself. Nobody could do it for me. Same thing. So I, I asked him questions that I was curious about, and sometimes he was frustrated and, you know, are you the right person to lead the team in this reset? Like, he didn't like that question, but I thought it was a fair one. I never got any, you know, blowback from Bears or anybody about, mm-hmm. you know, stop it, back off. And I think the interview was, you know, for Bill with the, with the crew, with Wiggy and Greg and Courtney and myself, I think you couldn't do much better. Like, and, and he wasn't an a-hole. You know, he, he the only complaint I got is I took a picture of him from across the table and posted it, and he was having a coffee, and they were like, he doesn't want to have random photos during the interview. Okay, that was it. That was the only complaint I got in two years with Bill on the morning show. Well, you won't like this, because I know you're a Brady guy. Very much a Brady guy. In bed with Brady, literally, figuratively. And... That's like saying you like bacon. Is that, like, who wouldn't? No, but, and then not admitting bacon's probably bad for you if you eat it all the time. Fair point. Tom Brady changed over the years. Oh, I completely agree. I don't think Bill Belichick did. It was always my argument for, Ooh, he never, see, I don't think he did. Watch him at the beginning of this documentary. I, he was much more... Not much. Oh, slightly. My. But in the documentary, slightly. his best friends say that he changed after Spygate. Okay, I'm just telling you what I observed for 24 years. Okay. He's at least so, giving answers at the beginning He part, was better compared to now. After Spygate, he was different. And he stopped with the off-the-record film sessions and the little get-togethers and some of those things. Friday trivia at the press conference went away. Those weren't playful Fridays anymore. He used to do Friday trivia? Oh, yeah. He would end Friday press conferences with questions to the media about the other team, basically to test whether you got ready for the game, whether you studied their roster and, and knew who they were and their coaches and assistants, things of that nature. We have to find audio of that. That would be better than the peanut butter and jelly video with the Browns. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was different. But I'm talking about the core of Bill Belichick. The core of Bill Belichick never changed. He was kind of a dink the whole time. Well, couldn't you Abrasive. say... Not, not to be too firmly ensconced on the Brady Island. That Feels I like you're going to be. Couldn't you say that Bill changed Tom? No, I think Giselle changed Tom. That's my theory. But why I think did, Giselle said, you're but, much but, like me. You're the greatest at what you do. You should be the center of your world and get whatever the hell you want like I do. But why did Bill like Tom? Because he wasn't a diva quarterback. Because he didn't demand all those things. Right. And then he became a diva quarterback. Because... Bet no better example than when he's interviewed in this documentary. And what does it say on the front of his shirt? Brady. He's got his own brand. He's literally a brand that he wore to the documentary. But I would just say that that's the way of the world. I mean, what great okay, athlete... But don't say the, he didn't change. I didn't. I said yeah. he did. So the the core tenets of Bill Parcells' quarterback, if you've ever read those, whatever, it's like a seven-bullet-point thing, that I don't know if you know, Bill Belichick stole a lot that he does from Bill Parcells in that world. Oh, Al just went six to and, midnight. <laughs> so no diva quarterbacks. And he traded a diva quarterback, Drew Bledsoe, for a non-diva quarterback. Well, he's, he also gave Bledsoe the biggest contract in NFL history. Yeah. But he had a diva quarterback. You know this as much as he was the number one pick. He was the but you can't have tall. Both, you can't play that both ways. He gave a guy. Do you think he really gave it to him? Like if if Robert Kraft didn't exist, if Bill Belichick had full control, I don't know that he gives that. He but, was there. He signed off on it. Absolutely. But I don't give Tom Brady a pass for how Giselle made him more of a egomaniac because. Tom Brady is a grown ass man, and at that stage, he had already won three Super Bowls. He was already but you going admit to it, right? Of course. Okay, that's the only point. Whereas I think Bill stayed relatively consistent. He was a hardo. He was a dink. He was, and it was part of why. In was that in this one of these episodes where Robert 
Tom, Drew, and Brady Sr. all talked about when he gets hurt, there's like that, oh, you know, Bill's just going to keep moving. Bill oh. might replace me the way I replaced Drew, if you if you gave Bill a, a, a what is it sodium pentothal or whatever the the uh, stuff to, for truth serum, he would say two thousand eight was his favorite year. And he did right. They actually showed the clip, his last press conference, with a big smile on his face about how much he loved that team and loved that year. Right, because Tom, because a guy who hadn't started since seventh effing grade Castle was winning games, and they were doing it the Belichick way and team above eye and all those things. A year after, I would argue that. That really started the Tom Brady isn't a dink and dunk defense wins. Like, he became a superstar in 07 with I, the 50 I, touchdowns right. and all that crap. I would say 06 was even more impressive of those two seasons, given where they got with what they had. No, but I'm then 08, you mean? Then 07. Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying Brady became the MVP for the first The time. MVP, the superstar. Right. He went global. Right. He became. That was the year JD, uh, Brady went from Jeter to A-Rod. In terms of, like, he didn't win in the playoffs, had the best physical right. year of all time. And then the next year, Belichick does it with Castle. He loves it. Could that have ever played out differently? Probably not. But there was at least the hint in the eyes of all those people, including Tom Brady himself, that, like, I better get my ass back out there. Right. Because I'm replaceable. And that's Belichick. And I think Belichick is always going to be that dink. Like, uh, my former boss used to say he might be an a-hole, but he's our a-hole. Oh, totally. And here's the other thing about Bill, and it was both, like, the thing is, is that the odd thing of all of the breathless conversation about this relationship of Brady, Bill, and Kraft is that it's all totally understandable. Like, we've all had yeah. much smaller scale people around us who were desperate for the credit all the time, who felt they were disrespected. In every workforce, in every environment, there are these tugs and pulls it's just not of the three best people potentially on the planet doing what they're doing. But you agree, even though you believe this is a promotional piece for Robert Kraft, yep. you also would agree that there's some value in that, it's worthy, oh, that he God. kept these guys together longer than somebody else might have. Jonathan wouldn't have. If Jonathan ran the Patriots, the Belichick-Brady relationship would have ended sooner. Can we agree on that? Of course. Okay. I, and a lot of other owners, whoever, named Shad Khan. Right. And the issue here... From the group, not named Tom, which was Bill, Robert, and Jonathan, was the failure to accept the change of the NFL after 07. After the, I was actually after the Colts and Bill Polian with with the losses in consecutive years in the playoffs of the Patriots, where they reshifted how people could be defended when the NFL mm-hmm. when the when the revenue went up, offense went up, and the defense became less important. Not and continues. Not not meaningless, but. Less important. And all those things that Bill was the greatest of all time at, which was finding a player, finding the value accurately, knowing specific skill sets that they could implement that would fit into a great a piece that was more worth more than the sum of its parts. And that was what Bill's brilliance was in the first part of the mm-hmm. dynasty. That was watered down. That was less relevant. Not irrelevant. It was less relevant as they made move forward into the, uh, the sure. 2010s. Sure. All right, we'll continue this Patriots talk. I could talk about this all day. Well, quickly, I, I kind of could too, which is weird. It's, I, I would think something I've been talking about oh. for damn near twenty-five years. At some point, I'd get sick of, but it beats the alternative. Oh. We could turn to the socks, but right. I don't really I, want to do that. I, I really, it's it's actually people say it's negative. No, we're actually talking about a really great team and figuring out history, who was, right? And and like things that matter and were unprecedented. And I always laugh when Pavetta is going to be good. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> got hives. Uh, I always laugh when people are like, Curtis, Brady Bill, like, get over it. He left. I, I, I was born in 1984. 
uh, Babe Ruth was trading right. the Yankees in 1918. We still talked about it. There was actually this thing called the Curse of the Bambino that Shaughnessy stole a bunch of books from. Yep. Like, that was my childhood. Or any of these things. Right. The freaking Last Dance. Right. I didn't give a rat's katukas about the bill, the Bulls when it happened at the time. I was just like watching greatness. Right. Was I really interested in the documentary and the drama and the behind the scenes? Yes, because it's history. It's the greatest of all time. Right. You're learning how it's like having the puzzle completed. You're like, wow, I can now see right. what made Jordan this psychotic, competitive, right. crazy man. Uh, Alex and Cambridge, before we get to the top of the hour. Hey, Alex. Yeah, hi. Uh, I refuse to watch this. Uh, maybe at the very end. I'll just listen to your uh, analysis. Um, we all knew about... Uh, Aaron Hernandez. I mean, I, we was going through it when it was happening, and uh, I mean, I think they're just trying to make uh, uh, Kraft look as good as he can look. You know, I mean, we don't see anything of the uh, uh, massage parlor thing. No, it's a fair point. I would say this, Alex. If you think that the Hernandez episode, I would watch that episode before you have an opinion on it. If if you watch that episode and you don't think you don't come away from that episode thinking Robert Kraft looks better. There are things in that episode that I just recommend you see where Robert Kraft, I'm sure, is going to look back on this and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I said those things. Which I find weird that Very they odd. have control and say and clear input on this and multiple eyes. I'm guessing plenty of people in the organization watched it Yep, and it's, signed off on it. That is true. Uh, Andy Hart in for Ken Laird. Curtis uh, Laird, what the hell is this? Ken and Curtis is the show. I don't know, it's your show. My brain's just short-circuited. We'll get to your call, 617-779-7937. Coming up next year on the Ken and Curtis Show. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. Uh, 